So Holy Spirit, use the words of Scripture this morning to help us surrender everything we've got to you so that we can know the freedom you came to give us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I read a newspaper story not too long ago from Topeka, Kansas, where police were called in to restore order at a home for senior citizens. (laughs) And I want to read you the actual newspaper account. It said, three militant octogenarians, I just love that phrase, militant (laughs) octogenarians, were arrested after a fight. They are identified as leaders of an activist group that seized control of the north parlor of the facility and locked Norma Sutherland, one of the matrons of the home, in a closet. (laughs) George Whitlock, 84-year-old spokesman for the activists, told reporters that the demonstration was staged to enforce demands that the occupants of the home be given more of a role in management. This place is run by a bunch of young hoodlums, Whitlock said, waving his cane indignantly. But Emery Danes, the manager of the home, blamed the trouble on misunderstandings caused by difficulties in communicating with the militants. Some of them just turn off their hearing aids when we try to explain the policies. (laughs) Mr. Whitlock responded, what's the sense of living as long as we have if some kid who's only 50 is going to tell you what to do? (laughs) Well, clearly Mr. Whitlock felt oppressed. This year we are doing a lot of different sermon series chronologically through Scripture. And today we start the third sermon series in this sequence called Prison Break. Which is kind of a sequel to a series we did a couple years ago on getting free from the things that hold us in bondage. Now just to review where we've been, if you remember a couple weeks ago we talked about how God told a man named Abraham that if he followed him, God would uh, make him a great nation and would commission Uh, that would be commissioned by God to bring his healing to the whole world. And if you look at that chart up there, you'll see that Abraham had a son named Isaac who had Jacob, and Jacob had a whole mess of kids. And 12 sons, and they all, Kendi Easley last week talked about how they all ended up in Egypt to escape a famine. Well, then all of those kids had a pack of kids, and on and on and on, and within a couple of generations, they numbered up into the thousands. So Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, got afraid of their growing numbers, so he made the Israelites slaves, and they remained in slavery for 400 years until God calls a man named Moses to come and set him free. So what's oppressing you? Where do you feel bondage? A health problem? A relationship issue with a child or a spouse or a coworker? financial problems, career problems, maybe you're just bored. How would you complete this sentence, I would love to be free from what? And there are two liberating truths I want to share with you today. And the first is this, when it comes to setting us free from whatever holds us in bondage, God's dreams for us are often bigger than our dreams for ourselves. And you can see that in how he deals with Moses in the passage we read. Now, from a previous chapter in the book of Exodus, we know that Moses has a dream to liberate his people. We know that because he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite, and he kills the Egyptian in rage. And then he ends up having to flee to the deserts of Midian, where he becomes a shepherd for 40 years. Moses had a dream to free his people, but it was kind of a small dream. 
you know, kill an Egyptian here, another one there, you know, here a kill, everywhere, you know, everywhere a kill, kill kind of a thing, right? God's dream for liberating not only Moses, but the Israelites was so much bigger. As the story unfolds, Moses does more than just free his people. God does amazing miracles through Moses, like dividing the Red Sea. And God doesn't just free the Israelites so they can remain as second-class citizens in Egypt. He makes them a nation and gives them a land of their own. But not just any old nation. He also gives them a God-sized adventure to bring his healing to the entire world. God's dreams for Moses and for the Israelites were so much bigger than their own. You know, a lot of times when we want God to free us from whatever is holding us in bondage, the health problem, the financial problem, the relationship problem, whatever it is, what we really want is just for God to fix some problem so we can get on with our agenda. But God dreams not just as free, of freeing us from whatever oppresses us, but also to free us for a life of victory, courage, adventure, hope, meaning, purpose, joy, more than enough with plenty left over. You know, so many of my prayers, maybe some of yours, but so many of my prayers really boil down to me asking God to give me that American trinity, success, pleasure, comfort. Right? Help me, fix me, bless me. But those three things don't really actually satisfy all that much. And a lot of you know this. Many of you know this. I think of so many of you who are doing things like mentoring an at-risk teen at Eastside Academy or serving in the Jubilee Reach Center or, or, or teaching Sunday school or just bringing God's kingdom in your office. And I hear so many of you say over and over again, I've heard it hundreds of times, this service gives me more joy than all the deals I ever landed, all the promotions I ever got, and all the money I ever made combined. God's dreams for liberating us from bondage are so much bigger than our own even if they don't look big by our culture's standards. You know, in his day, Moses would have been considered a blazing failure by the world's standards. He had to flee to the deserts of Midian, and, you know, that's like worse than having to live in South Dakota. <laughs> and then he has to lead the people out of slavery, and all they do is whine and complain. Take us back to Egypt. We had onions and garlic in Egypt. I mean, okay, you had cool spaghetti sauce, but you were slaves, right? And then they wander around in the desert for 40 years looking for the promised land. 40 years leading generations of women to joke. It's because Moses refused to listen to Mrs. Moses and stop and ask for directions. <laughs> he doesn't even get to achieve his stated goal of getting the people into the promised land. He dies at the top of Mount Pisgah as he's looking into it, but he doesn't get to go in. Failure. Big zero on the scoreboard of life, in the world's eyes. And yet, and yet he drew water from a rock in a desert. He saw the Red Sea divide in two. He watched God carve his Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. Pretty big dream. What's oppressing you? God's dream for you is bigger than your own. He doesn't want to just fix some problem. He wants to turn the worst thing that's happened to you in the, into the best thing, like he's done for so many of you. Taking a divorce and using it to help you find closeness with him you didn't know was possible. Or a health crisis and using it to show you how to serve others in similar situations in a way that brings you joy. Or using a layoff to get you to a better job fit and on and on. And even if things stay hard, even if you're laid off, even if your health is failing, 
He wants to give you beach ball joy, the kind that cannot be held under by your circumstances. It just bounces right back up to the top. Because when you can have joy no matter what circumstances come your way, now you're invincible. Now you're really free because nothing gets you down. God wants you to be able to say, his joy is so high it makes my sadness seem little. His love is so deep it makes my worry seem shallow. His courage so long it makes my fear seem short. His adventure so wide it makes my pain seem narrow. My God is so big he makes my problems seem small. God's dreams for you are so much bigger than your own or than mine for me. So how do we step into those dreams? How do we get into God's dream for us? Second truth that I want to share with you today. we got to throw it down. What do I mean by that? Well, in the passage we read today, God says, Moses, go lead the people out of Egypt. Moses then spends two chapters giving God excuses why he can't do that. Moses is one of my heroes. I just love the, all the whiners in the Bible. They, I'm attracted to them for some reason. <laughs> Two chapters. Here's, that, why, here's why I can't do that, God. I don't speak so well. They're not going to listen to me. Oh, Lord, send someone else. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Well, toward the end, God says, Moses, what's that in your hand? Well, what's in his hand is a staff. And that staff represents a lot of things. It's a shepherd's staff, so it represents his career. Which means it also represents financial security. And it represents comfort because it's what, he's know, what he knows and what he's used to. And God says, Moses, throw it down. And then God turns it into a snake. And then he says, Moses, pick it up by its tail. Okay, I was raised in rattlesnake country. I know that's a bad idea. <laughs> right? And then God turns it back into a staff. And what I take from that is until we throw down whatever it is we're hanging on to, Money, comfort, our career, success, time, unhealthy patterns of relating to people. Until we throw it down and surrender it to God, we will not be free. Moses cannot be free or make his people free until he yields that staff to God. You and I will not be free until we surrender whatever it is we're hanging on to, to God. And then when we do, he does miracles with it. And to surrender to God means to do two simple things. First, to pray. And say, Lord, this thing I'm hanging on to, here it is. It's yours. Take it. And then listen and look for his leading in your life. Surrender means to say, Lord, here it is. It's yours. Take it. Second thing surrender means to do is then do the things that God says in the Bible to do as regards whatever that issue is. And if you don't know what that is, please ask a pastor or talk to a Christian friend. Lord, here it is. And then do what it, God says to do in the Bible as regards that issue. So what's your staff? What are you hanging on to that keeps you from being free? Money? That's a big one in our culture. So let me just talk about that one for a minute. Now this year, normally this time of year, we do what's called a stewardship sermon on why you should give, you know, a.k.a. the Sermon on the Amount. We're not going to do that this year. No stewardship sermon this year. You know, you're getting off easy, right? But I am going to mention it here because it's relevant to this topic of getting free. So this is your stewardship moment, okay? Stewardship point. If money worries are your bondage, throw it down. Surrender it to God. To surrender to God means to do things God's way, not ours. So what would surrendering our money to God look like? There's a biblical word for it. Let's just do a little class participation moment here. What is it? Some of you kind of, there you go. Oh, what good good churchgoers you are. Tithe. Absolutely. I thought I was going to have to wait longer for the answer. 
The Old Testament says give 10% of what we earn to God's work. Parenthetically, actually, if you read it, it's actually more like 25% if you add it all up. And the New Testament says giving should be sacrificial, but be that as it may, <laughs> the point is to give. And the Bible makes it clear the first 10% goes to the faith community you're a part of. Which is why Christine and I, yes, we give to other organizations only after we've given 10% or more here. And many of you do this. And so I want to say thank you, thank you, especially this year that's been so tough. You are a generous congregation. And because many of you do this, you know that it brings freedom. It brings freedom from financial worry. Because we see God do one of two things. Either he steps up and provides, and I've got so many emails from so many of you saying that once you started tithing, you know, you've miraculously got an unexpected raise or a new job that paid more or someone sent you a check. I got hundreds of stories, literally like that, from you and others. It works. He provides. And or he teaches us that we can be happy on less, which frees us from financial fear. But the second thing it does, it frees us to be part of what he's doing in the world. The money you give to this church goes to alleviate poverty in our community around the world, Africa, Guatemala, Cambodia. It helps kids, some of whom come from very difficult homes, to find love here and find the God who loved them enough to die for them here. Helps so many of you who have told me that in tough times these worship services are your lifeline. When you give to the mission of this church, you are literally helping thousands of people. Now I get some of you are unemployed, and so for you, your giving is going to come in a different form for a season maybe. But for most of us, if you have financial fear, throw it down. Here's the way out. Tithe. And I know as a pastor, the minute I say this, my motives are instantly suspect. Now ah, you just want money to run the church. Well, that too. But that's not why I'm saying it. Honest. I said this to folks long before I was a pastor. Because Christina and I started tithing when we had almost nothing. And it brought us financial freedom. And I know it will do the same for you. I was talking to a man a while back who said, wow, applauding stewardship, that's amazing. I was talking to a man a while back who said, you know, I'm just glad I've given so much money to this church, otherwise I just would have lost it all in the stock market. <laughs> this way I get to see it doing some cool stuff. Yes, you can't keep it anyways, right? I mean, you just try, right? Sort of like a story I heard about a man who was such a miser. He said to his wife, after I die, I want you to take your share of the estate, but then put all the rest of my money in the coffin and bury it with me. And she said that she would. And so when he died after his funeral, one of her friends said, you didn't put all that money in that coffin, did you? And she said, well, of course I did. I promised him that I would. So right before they closed the coffin lid, I wrote him a check and put it in there. You can't keep it anyway. <laughs> if money is your bondage, throw it down. Tithe. But you know what? Maybe money isn't your bondage. Maybe your bondage is something else. Maybe your bondage is anger over a broken relationship. Throw that anger down. Don't hang on to it. Surrender it to Jesus and do things his way, which would mean to ask forgiveness for the ways that you have hurt that other person and seek reconciliation. So you can know the freedom from being eaten alive by bitterness. Maybe your bondage is that you're bored. Because what you're holding on to is the staff called comfort and security. Throw it down. Take a risk and get involved in God's rescue operation somehow. 
tutor a kid, teach Sunday school, serve the poor. And yeah, it may be hard, but I guarantee you it will be an adventure. Here is a verse you will find nowhere in the Bible. And behold, it came to pass that Moses was bored. It's not in Scripture. Because he was part of God's rescue mission. What's your bondage? And what are you hanging on to that may be contributing to that bondage? Success? Time, money, anger, comfort, to be free, throw it down at the feet of Jesus. You see, folks, there's only one thing that stands between you and me and total freedom. Only one thing. And it's not the money problem or the health problem or the relationship problem. The only thing that stands between us and total freedom is the same thing that stood between Moses and freedom. And it's this tiny phrase that I have uttered so many times in my life. Yeah, but... Yeah, I'd like to have an adventure of being part of what God's doing, but I, I don't think I've got the time. Yeah, Pastor, I hear you on that tithing thing, but I really don't think my bondage is money worries. Really, prove it. Tithe. If you're not tithing, money is your pharaoh, and you are in bondage to it. Yeah, but I don't really agree. No, prove it. Tithe. Yeah, but Pastor, no, prove it. Tithe. Prove me wrong. Tithe. Yeah, Pastor, you know, I'd like to ha be, have that relationship work out and be healed, but I don't think I should have to go to them. They should come to me, right? Yeah, I'd like to find freedom from feeling unhealthy pressure to achieve, but surrendering my career to God, that just doesn't seem practical, right? The only thing that stands between us and freedom is that one little phrase. Yeah, but. So here's the key question today, guys. How big is your butt? Because the only thing that stands between you and freedom is your butt and mine. And you, well, I'm going to get emails, I know, but <laughs> what are you hanging on to? No excuses. Throw it down. And when you do, God does great things with it. From here on out, Moses' shepherd's staff becomes way more than a shepherd's staff. It's that staff that Moses stretches across the Red Sea to divide it in two. It is that staff that he uses to draw water from a rock in a desert. It is that staff that leads a nation to freedom. Whatever you are hanging on to, throw it down, and then God will do amazing things with it. One of the things that has been very inspiring to me is to watch Kendi Easley, our senior associate pastor, in her battle to defeat cancer. And rather than hang on to feelings of fear or anger or despair or why me, she's thrown those things down at Jesus' feet. And she's essentially prayed the prayer, Lord, here's what I want, heal me. But also, Lord, what are you doing here? Show me so that I can get on board and use this for good because I know, God, you've got a big dream for my liberation. Now, that's not to say that she's put on a phony face. You know, sometimes the church makes you feel like if you're suffering, you can't talk about what's really going on, share your real, fe real feelings. No, church is a place where you can be honest and real. And Kendi's been honest about her pain and her grief and her fear. But she's also thrown those feelings down at Jesus' feet and surrendered them to him. And as a result, God is working through her. She has inspired the staff and many of you with all kinds of hope. She's shown true courage in how she's faced this. I have learned a ton from her about how to go through hard times, and she has given me courage to face my problems differently. She's allowing Jesus to shine through her, as she did last week when she preached. And she's allowing God to use this to help her grow to be more the person that he created her to be, to discern what really matters in life and what really doesn't, to not feel so much pressure to always achieve and achieve and achieve, to slow down a little, which for Kendi is a good thing, 
And she wouldn't mind me telling you that. And her sense of humor is still wonderfully intact. I mean, the day she came, she and her husband came to tell me, she said, Sky, I just need to let you know I've got cancer, and I'm going to have to do chemotherapy, and I'm going to lose my hair. And then she said, you know, Scott, I just didn't see this coming. I, I just always thought that you'd go bald before me. <laughs> that was a really good line. <laughs> Life dealt her an unfair blow that definitely could have been her bondage. But she threw it down and said, Lord, here's my cancer. Here's my fear. Here's my hurt. What do you want to do with it? I don't want to hang on to it. And I know your dream for liberating me is bigger than my own. And in the middle of a hard situation, Jesus is giving her joy and using her to give courage to others. She is definitely not in despair. And that's freedom, guys. That's freedom. When you can hear the doctor say cancer and still find joy in the middle of it, now you're indestructible. So what's your bondage? God's dream to free you is even bigger than your own. So will you surrender whatever it is that you are holding on to that may be keeping you from that freedom? The pride that keeps you from reconciling a difficult marriage. The money you're so afraid of losing. The addiction to comfort that keeps you from having an adventure. Careerism that makes you a workaholic and stressed out all the time. Will you throw it down at his feet? Because whatever your bondage is, Jesus can do the impossible with it just like he did for Moses. Because with Jesus, there is no river that's uncrossable, no mountain unclimbable, no wall unbreachable, no fiery furnace unquenchable, no lion's mouth unstoppable, no enemy unconquerable, no hurt unhealable, and no problem unfixable if we will just throw them down at the feet of Jesus and say, you are Lord of all creation. Here it is, Lord Jesus. Set me free because I know you can. And he will. If we'll just surrender it to him. So Jesus... Here we are, and we throw at your feet the things we're hanging on to that may be keeping us from the freedom you came to give us. Take it, Lord, it's yours. And then give us the power to live the way you tell us to live. Set us free, and we'll give you all the glory in your name. Amen.